church today? Awesome. Tell somebody, turn and tell them, it's going to get good here in a minute. Go ahead and tell them that. It's been good, actually. It was a great time of worship here today. And um, so we're in a series right now entitled, If. Everybody say, If. So that word is in the Bible about 1,600 times, a little less than that. And it's a little word, but it carries great significance. And uh, this uh, series that we're in was prompted by, uh, by a dream that I had uh, back in September when uh, I heard the phrase over and over in my dream, if is the middle word of life. And it comes with that idea like it's not just irony, it's you know, literally if is in the word life, but the idea that life is full of if or if only. It's like we all could say on some level, if I would not have eaten that chocolate cake or if I would not have married this person or if I, if I would have only gone to that school. We've all probably said things like that. And this series isn't about regretting, looking back on our life with regret, but taking seriously the conditions of God's promises and God's plans for our life to avoid going in the wrong direction, but also taking hold of the promises of God, the the purpose of God for our lives. And so that's what we've been focusing on. And so far in this series, we've talked about revival if. We talked about the Lord said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal. That's a promise of God that says, I want to bring revival, but there's an if to it. The if is your responsibility. It's your responsibility. I want my people who are called by my name to take the load, get humble, pray, seek me. Don't just seek what I can do for you. Seek my face. Know me personally and intimately. And also turn from your wicked ways. Like, how many of you know sometimes we go down a wicked way? There's a dozen of us that think that. How many of you know that sometimes we take the wrong turn in life? And so the Lord says you got to, you know, there's, there's a grace of self-correcting that the Lord calls us to. And we need to do that. So, that was revival. Last week we talked about freedom if. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and then you will know the truth, and then you will be free. That's the way it works. It's not, oh, the truth will set you free. No. It's abiding in the word where you come into intimate knowledge with the truth, and as you get revelation and illumination and make application of the truth, that's your freedom. Amen. And last week I talked about how the Word of God is like a compass, and Rachel, she said, oh man, I wish I would have known that you were going to talk about that, because she said, I have a compass, and there's this really cool compass, and we talked about how God's Word is like a 
the word of God in our hand needs to get in our heart because what God's word is, it's like a compass. It, the, you know, how many of you know that Bible, the, the scriptures say that God's word is alive, right? So the word of God, like this compass, reacts to the magnetic field in the planet. So the word of God reacts, if you will, to the magnetic pull of God's purpose, of God's presence, of God's will. So as I'm reading the Word, the Word literally helps me to know what my next step is. Isn't that awesome? And so, and that's so key to our freedom, because freedom isn't just something, it's not just wishful thinking. Oh, I, you know, I, I really hope I can get over this. No, that's not the way it works, my friend. It's not wishful thinking, it's Word of God thinking. It's getting your mind, your heart, your will into the Word of God. So anyway, those are some of the things we talked about. Today, I want to talk on the subject, if you don't quit, if you don't quit, and, um, or if you don't give up. So I got one verse of Scripture that I want to start with. This is our launch pad. And from this place, we're going to go some other places. But in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, the Bible says, And let us not grow weary in doing, of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Can we all read that aloud and together? And let us not grow weary in, of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up, if we don't give up, if we don't quit. So that's what I want to talk about today. Father, thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for the time of worship that we've had. And like our last song says, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what you're going to say to us here in these next few moments. In Jesus' name. And everybody says amen. Now, I want you to look at that word. If you'd bring that scripture back up, Liz, for me just one more time. He says, let's not grow weary. Everybody say weary. weary. Now, that word weary in the original language literally comes from two Greek words put together. One of the words is in, like inside of something, in, and the other word is evil. In, evil. And that sounds strange. It's like, wow, that sounds like really like not a good thing. And really, it's not a good thing. He says the idea or this, this word in evil literally denotes someone who is ready to give in to something they shouldn't give in to. Someone who's about to throw in the towel or to wave the white flag or to quit and give way to the pressure or to the difficulty that they're in and he says let's not grow weary let's not get so bad let's not get in such a terrible place that we're ready and willing to quit for he says in due time or at the right time you will reap if you don't quit hang in there don't give up have you ever felt like quitting have you ever felt like giving up on something I read something just this last week. Uh, Barna is a Christian orga organization that does a lot of statistical research, and they came out this last year from the year 2021 to 2022. They said that 42%, they discovered 
42% of pastors seriously thought about quitting the ministry. 42%. And I don't think this idea of giving up or quitting is just a pastoral thing. I don't think it's just something that's relegated to ministry. I think it's something that we all face. People are, up right now we also know it's in the higher percentages that people in, in the United States of America seriously want to quit their jobs. They don't like where they're working. They don't like what they're doing. There's some that want to quit on their marriage. They want to throw in the towel. They don't want to work at it anymore. It's been too hard. It's, it's been a long, arduous battle. And I've forgiven, and I've forgiven, and I can't do this anymore. And so there are people that want to give up on their marriage. There are people that want to quit school. Maybe you are here today, and you're going to tech, and you just said last night, I quit. No, you don't. No, I'm teasing. But there are people that want to quit school. There are people that want to quit church. They don't necessarily want to quit on God. They don't want to quit Christianity. But they don't want to go to church anymore. They don't want to serve in the church. They don't want to be a part of the church. Or they've, they've gotten hurt in the church. There are people that just want to quit things like this. Or they want to quit their ministry. There are people, in a worst case scenario, who want to quit on life. And they're contemplating, seriously contemplating, taking their own life. We know that this is true because it happens all too often right here in our own community. There are people who want to quit on their sobriety. They're trying, they're trying to kick the habit. And they hold on for so long. And then things happen. And they just, I can't do it anymore. And I just want to... They're, they're, they're quitting, trying to quit those bad habits. And people face this all the time. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Are you live out there? So people want to quit. What I've discovered about the feeling of quitting is that it can be an urge that just overtakes you. Like <laughs> there are times when Things, a string of things might happen, and it doesn't have to be that long. I will utter words. I just want to quit. I don't want to do this anymore. And the urge is so strong that it kind of gets in your spirit a little bit, and you find yourself, if you don't say it out loud, you're kind of thinking it, and if you're not careful, you start plotting your escape. And you try to figure out, how can I do this? How can I go about getting out of this situation? And so people are doing this. People, people get overwhelmed by that feeling of, I just want to quit. I can't do this anymore. But let me just encourage you at the outset here today. Giving up or quitting is not your answer. In fact, Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, Paul said the exact opposite. Your answer is don't grow weary in well-doing. Keep sowing those seeds of goodness. Keep doing what God has called you to do. Stay with your marriage. Stay with your ministry. Stay with the plan of God. For in due season, you will reap. But you can't give up. You can't quit right now. Amen. Turn to somebody and tell them, don't you dare quit. Go ahead and tell them. So, I want to talk about today, in just a moment, I want to talk about how to quit quitting. 
But before I get there, I want to just take a few moments and talk about why it is that people give up or why it is that people do quit. And one of the things that I was thinking about was the Bible is replete with examples of people throughout that were either thinking about quitting, struggling with hanging in there, wanting to give up, or maybe they did give up. And so I thought, well, what if we took a little bit of a, an interview of some of the people in God's Word on why people quit? Maybe this might give some insight to us. And I was thinking about the 10 spies. Remember that out of the 12 spies of Israel, 10 of them came back with a negative report, and there were only two that had a positive report. And I thought to myself, if we interview the 10 spies today and ask them, why do you think people quit? I think these 10 spies might say something in retrospect now uh, about their own life. They might say something like this, people quit because the problems seem so big. Do you remember when God sent the spies into the promised land to go out and spy out the land, not to see whether or not they should go into the land, but to see what they were going into? And when they came back, they said, yeah, it is a good land, but there's a big problem. There are big people that live in the land. There are giants in the land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, but we see all the problems that lie in front of us. Therefore, we should not go after it. We should just quit now because it isn't going to be worth it. It's going to be too hard. It's going to be too difficult. And I don't know if I'm up for the task, and I don't know if I want to deal with this. Amen. I just want to quit my marriage. There's just giants all over. I just want to quit my job. There's just big problems everywhere I turn. And you know what? You're one of the big problems. But more about that later. God, you know what God said to the Israelites before they ever got to the promised land? Here's what God said. I have already given you the land. Did you know that God spoke past tense about their future? God does that all the time. He says you are now in Christ. And there is nothing impossible for those who believe. He talks in past tense about your future all the time. And he doesn't want you to get your perspective on all of the things that might be in the way, but remember his promise. But see, that's where we quit. Because one problem leads to another problem and leads to another problem, leads to another problem, and, it's just, and it just is one big mess. And so we just quit. We opt out. We exit the scene. And we can't do that. There are giants in the land, but just remember this. It's already your land. Amen. It's already your place. So I think that's what the ten spies would say. If we ask Elijah, why do people quit? I think Elijah would say because the progress seems so slow. It's taken too long. After... Elijah saw a great victory on Mount Carmel where he prayed and he prayed down fire from heaven that consumed the altar. And on the heels of that, he went and he had all of the false prophets of Baal slaughtered. 
I am sure that Elijah thought in his mind, man, God has really moved. Now we're going to see a revival in the land like we've never seen a revival in the land. And you know, it not only didn't get better, it got worse. And Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you. And the Bible said, Elijah, when he heard that, he just took off. He quit. You know why he quit? It wasn't because he was afraid of Jezebel. He just got done slaying 400, I think, 90 false prophets of Baal. He wasn't afraid of Jezebel. He was wore out because he thought, God, if you aren't going to move now, what are, what, what's the use? And he took off in total discouragement. People call it burnout. He was depressed. And he was not happy because he had been hanging in there. He brought the word of God. He had been waiting on the word of God. He sat there while his brooks dried up, waiting for God to move. And then he prays a great prayer. God slays the enemy, but he does it. But revival, it doesn't turn people's hearts toward God. And he's like, I'm through. I'm over this. I've been here way too long. I'm way too tired of this. I, I don't want to put up with this anymore. And so he went off. And you know, when he, 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 he found himself, how many know that God is good even when we don't make good choices? So he found himself in a cave somewhere. There was a lot more to it, but the Lord essentially said to him, Elijah, why are you here? I didn't say you should quit. I didn't give you permission to exit stage left. Amen. Why are you here? And you know, Elijah's, his essential answer was, because I'm the only one. You know what he's, what, you know what he's really saying? God, I can't, why is it just me? You know, why am I, I'm, I'm believing, I'm holding on, nothing's happening. Phooey. You know what God told him to do? Go back. He said, this is what he actually said, you go back the way you came. <laughs> like, you go back to square one, Jack. You don't get to quit. Amen. So I think sometimes things in our lives take so long that we're like, I can't do it anymore. It's just taking too long. And I'm sorry to tell you that is not an excuse to give up. Here's another person that we could interview, Job's wife. I think if we asked Job, Job's wife, why do people quit? Why do they give up? I think she would say, because the pain is so painful. Because the hurt is so deep. We often forget about Job's wife. In fact, I think sometimes we're hard on her because of what she said to Job. But you know, she suffered too. It was her children too. It was her livelihood too. It was her marriage too. It was her living too. Job's wife, after all the tragedy and all the loss and all the pain, she came to him, yes, in a moment of grief, pain, stricken deep in her soul with sorrow over all the loss and over all the pain. And she watched Job as he said nothing, sitting there in the ashes and in the pain of his own body, scraping his sores. She said, basically, why why are you holding on? Why are you still trusting God? Curse him and die. Now it's easy for us to judge that, but pain is painful. 
It's devastating. It hurts to go through what people go through. Waiting. Trying to shut your mouth while things are happening and believe God. It's, it's painful. Pain is painful. Emotionally. Relationally. And even Job, listen, he responded initially wonderfully. He, he's, you know, not that what he said to her, but that he held his integrity. He said, you're speaking like a foolish woman. You're not, you're not speaking in your right mind right now. You're speaking out of your brokenness, out of your emotion. But it, listen, it wasn't very long when even Job, in his own pain, said, I curse the day I was born. People give up. They want to quit. And, and so Job essentially was saying, I, I wish that I had never even been born. That's, that's giving up. Are you with me out there? Sometimes it's just too painful to keep growing, to keep trying, to keep waiting. That's not an excuse to quit. How about Jeremiah? If we were to ask Jeremiah, Jeremiah, why do people quit? I think Jeremiah would say, because people can be so stinking challenging. <laughs> it's not me, God, it's them. But listen, I love this. I love this. I love Jeremiah. They call him the weeping prophet. I like a good man who can cry. No. Uh, he, is, he was a young man probably in his late teens, maybe early 20s, when God came to him and said, you're going to be my mouthpiece, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, here's your ministry. You're going you're gonna to build up, but before you do, you've got to tear down. Now go have fun. That was a call of God. And uh, I love what the Lord said to Jeremiah early on. He said, Jeremiah, when I give you something to say, just say it. And here's what he said. Don't be afraid of their faces. They're not going to like what you have to say. But don't you be afraid of what you see on their countenance. You just give what I gave you. And so Jeremiah did exactly what the Lord said. He did it. He went sometimes kicking and screaming. He went a little depressed. He went sometimes wanting to jump, you know, bail out. We know that throughout the, if you read the book of Jeremiah, you see that Jeremiah was, people didn't want to listen to him. They, they scorned him and ridiculed him for what he was saying. They rejected him publicly, publicly denounced him and tried to correct him, persecuted him, imprisoned him, plot to kill his life it got so bad that he finally said and i referred to this last week he said it, it i i he also cursed the day of his birth but he also said i just decided i was going to quit i'm not going to i don't have to who why should i have to do this nobody else is doing it why do i have to be the one to bring this news to, to this nation who's far from God, who doesn't want anything from God, and I have to go through all this. And then he said, so I just quit, but I couldn't. Anybody know what that's like? You quit here, you quit here, but you didn't quit here. Because you can't. You can't do it. Sometimes people make things so hard, don't they? Sometimes 
people are just hard. They're hard to deal with. And you know, they're speaking out of their own hardness and their own brokenness and their own misunderstandings. But sometimes, on the other side of that, sometimes we're so immature that we don't know how to handle people. Sometimes we don't know how to handle our bosses who are bossing us. We don't know how to handle our teachers who are teaching us. And we always want to quit. We always want to take off because, well, they're not being nice. Well, sometimes they don't have to be. You know, as a parent, you don't always have to parent nice. Sometimes you have to be a parent. Come on now. See, if you're, if you're quitting every, a job every few months or about every year because something's wrong with them, there's a problem there. You actually might be the one with the problem. If you're going through countless jobs, moving from one church to another because of those people, of that boss, of that individual, that's probably not them. That's probably you. Come on, don't you feel the love of God right now? So you are people too, just remember that. People can be challenging, so can you. Amen. Let's ask one more person. Let's ask Peter. Peter, why do people sometimes quit? Because of personal failure. I think Peter would say, this hand-picked, selected disciple of Jesus, who, be, who Jesus was grooming to become the next overseer leader among many others, but he was obviously the lead. Peter, in a moment of um, weakness, failed the Lord miserably. And so he just, I don't think Peter could really forgive himself. I think he was struggling with forgiving himself for that terrible moment, that lapse of judgment, that just, that faultiness in his character where he just kind of dropped the ball majorly. Anybody know what it's like to drop the ball in a major way? Like, you know, mess up big time. And, and uh, so you think, oh, that was terrible. I might as well just go somewhere else. And we know from the scriptures that Peter literally thought to himself, I think I'll just go back to my former occupation. I'll just go back to fishing. I'll quit this whole thing. I'll quit the last three and a half years of planning, of preparing, of learning, of going and growing in Jesus, and I'll just go back to what I, what I know best. And it's not that. And I messed up so bad, I did such a terrible thing that I, I just don't think I can, I just don't want to try that. Because what, what if I do it again? What if? What if I mess up again? What if I fall flat on my face again? So you know what, what the easy thing to do is? Quit. Give up. Maybe you're not going to quit on Jesus. Maybe you're not going to quit on Christianity. But you know what? I'm not going to put myself, my family, and people around me at risk. I'll just do what I do best. 
Some are so disillusioned and disappointed with themselves that they want to quit, and they quit on themselves. That's essentially what you're doing. You're quitting on who you are in Christ. So there's probably a lot more in the Bible that you could even think of of people who could tell us why people quit by just looking at their example, looking at their words, looking at their life, that we can all identify. So we all identify. But just because you can quit doesn't mean you should quit. Amen. So right now what I want to talk about is how to quit quitting. Anybody here want to quit being a quitter or giving up? Come on, anybody here ever given up on anything and you know you gave up? You gave up. Okay, there's four of us. What? I got the wrong message today. I, I should quit. I obviously am not hearing from God. How many of you in this room gave up on anything in your life? Okay, thank you for lying to me. Making me feel better about my... Because I was about ready to quit. Quitting is not the answer, and it's not really God's will. Let me just say it this way. It may not be God's will. There, there are times that God will lead us on to something. That's different. Quitting or giving up on what God, where God has you is different from God leading you. We have to ask ourselves, when we're getting ready to exit this place and go to a new place, is this me quitting or is this God quarterbacking my life? Because God is, he calls the place. He calls the shots. We're in the game, and we, we, we have latitude to put our gifts to test and to get out there and to go for it. But God has the power to call an audible in our life. And if we're in one place, if he wants to move us to another place, he can do that. But we really have to evaluate is this me quitting because of people, because of problems, because, you know, whatever my personal failure, whatever it is, is this me just wanting to give up because of those things, or is God leading me on? And let me just say this, check the Word of God up against all your ideology, because not everything you say God said is actually biblical. Oh, come on now. God is not going to lead you to rob a bank. Amen. Anyway, I think you understand. So let me just say this. Here's some, here's some I think, biblical principles for persevering even when you feel like giving up. Number one, you quit quitting by getting tough mentally. We need to toughen up mentally. I want to show you a verse of Scripture. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 5. Why should you be stricken again, you who revolt more and more? The whole head is sick, and the whole heart faints. It's that last phrase I want you to look at. You're, go back to that verse. Your head is sick, therefore your heart faints. You've been wanting to tell somebody, 
with this. Just turn to him and say, you're sick in the head. Go ahead and... No. (laughs) If you give up, here's where the give up comes from. Right here. Right here, folks. Your heart grows faint and you want to quit and you want to give up because you're not thinking the way God wants you to think. That's why the Bible says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. What God is saying is, I don't just want you to have a high IQ. I want you to know how to think according to my will and my word and my ways. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. The reason why you want to quit, the reason why you want to give up, is the way you think about the troubles you find yourself in, the problems that you face, the people that you're around. And there's no other way to say it, but you got to get tough in your mind, in the way you think. There's not another way to say it. you got to get tough. Amen. And so... That's how we gotta we gotta straighten that out. Paul said, let me let me just show you a verse of scripture. Paul said in Romans 5, verses 3 and 4, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulation. Turn to somebody and tell them I love my trials. <laughs> okay, hang on. He says, We glory in tribulation. We rejoice when the going gets tough. That's what he's saying. When it gets really hard, we praise God. Why? Because we know, everybody say we know. Is, uh, is Romans up there, Romans chapter 5? Oh, darn. Okay, I thought I gave that. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. He says, not only that, but we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Man, I wish that verse of Scripture was up there. I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't obviously get that down. But I want you to see. He says, we glory in tribulation, knowing, knowing, thinking, understanding, right here. What? What do I understand? Tribulation produces something. What does it produce? It produces perseverance. And perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. Paul says you got to get tough in, your, in the way you think about the suffering, about the troubles, about the things that you're going through. What's really happening here? Why It's hard. I know it's hard. It's not easy. But you're, made, you're, you're cut from a different cloth. You're made out of different... You, you, you have the blood of Jesus Christ flowing through your veins. And when it gets tough, you know that these things are developing you. They're raising you up to persevere, to finish what you started. That's really what perseverance means. It means to finish, to see it all the way through. I'm not going to quit now. I'm not going to give up now. If God leads me, that's another thing. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to finish what God has put in my spirit to do. Amen. To persevere. And we need that. We need that finish. Paul said in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, this won't come up. I know this one won't come up. But Paul said there, he said, there's only one thing that matters to me. 
And that's to finish what God gave me to do. And he said, right before that, he said, my, I don't look at my life and count my life as anything. My life means nothing to me. The only thing that matters is that I finish. That I finish. Some of us need to finish what God's given us to do. You can't quit now. It's not the time to give up. Amen. Are you out there? This perseverance, this, uh, this tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character. I'll get more into that in a moment. And character produces hope. I love faith. Faith is believing God, but hope is expecting God. Faith says, I believe what God says. Hope says, I'm looking for what God's going to do. And so he says, that's, that's really where you want to get to, to have that kind of hope, that kind of mental tenacity. I'm looking for God. I'm looking for God. I don't see things like I want to see them, but I'm, I'm looking for God to show up. Amen. Peter said it like this, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So that gird up the loins of your mind sounds really weird, but here's what it means. In Bible times, they wore longer garments. Guys wore kind of like dresses, it seems like. And they would pull up these robes, these outer garments. If they wanted to get somewhere unencumbered and they wanted to get there quick, they would pull up these outer garments and they would tie a belt around it so they could run with swiftness or they could go through the brush and not get snagged so that they could get where they were supposed to go. Peter says, you are going someplace and so you've got to gird up the loins of your mind. Don't let your mind drift. Don't let your mind get snagged up. Don't let your mind get distracted. Pull together your thoughts. Get tough in your mind and go for it because you're in a race. And Paul said, we run to win. Come on now, I'm preaching up here today. And you don't know this, but it's just for you. Amen. Instead of running from your problems, run to the promise of what God has. So we need to toughen up mentally, but we also need to thrive under pressure. That's number two. We need to thrive. We're not here. We're not just survivors. We're thrivers. Amen. We thrive under pressure. Here's what James says. James 1 and 12 says, blessed is the one who perseveres under pressure trial because sorry i just lost my page sorry let me get back to it oh technology okay blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test that person will receive the crown of life that the lord has promised to those who love him can i tell you about the crown of life it's not just about eternal life there it's about abundant life here so he says blessed is the one who perseveres under trial under pressure because when you've stood the test when you've hung in there when you didn't quit 
when you didn't give up, you're going to receive the crown of life. The crown of abundant life right here, right now. Got to thrive. When the going gets tough, you know, we've got to, and I, I know a lot of this kind of seems like thinking tough, but that thinking tough, kind of, you have to live it out in the grind of life. And you just got to keep showing up when you don't want to show up. Amen. Just you just keep you keep going after it. You're thriving under pressure. There's a, a lady who has done some extensive research and she wanted to know why successful people were successful. And she went on this search. She went to the higher education, she went to school systems, she went to participants in spelling bee, she went, to, she went to West Point Academy, she went to all these places and began to interview people and to try to understand why is it that successful people are successful, what makes them successful. And she did some research, and her name is Angela Duckworth, and you can go watch a TED Talk if you want to. And uh, she did some research, and she found out that what the, what, why people are successful had nothing to do with their IQ. You know, a person with a high IQ tend to learn things quicker and easier, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be successful. Hey, man, there's hope for me. And so people with high IQ, that doesn't mean that they're going to be successful what actually what she discovered was it wasn't the iq but she called it the aq it wasn't the intelligence quotient it was the adversary or adversity quotient it wasn't how much they knew how quick they could know it how all this information could get in their head it was that they had grit she called it grit, and she wrote a book about it, and this is what she, how she defined grit. I think this should be up there. Angela Duckworth said that grit is the strength of character that refuses to quit. If you don't want to, if you want to stop quitting, you got to have some grit. You, it's going to take grit to not quit. There's just no other way to say it. We can't sit around and coddle ourselves. Well, everything's got to, you know, I need people to come for me. I need people to coddle me. I need things to fall into the line. No, you need some grit. You need to get out of bed. You need to read your Bible. I know now I've gone to preaching. Now, I've, now I'm not even being nice and sweet about it. You need to go to work. I got one good at that. <laughs> you need to forgive. Yeah, he does need to, doesn't he? Too much time on his hands. Amen. Amen. You just got to stay with it. You got to refuse to quit. 
How do I get through this marriage? It's painful. It's hard. you got to stay with it. You can't just bail out now. You can't just make a decision. I can't do this anymore. you got to hang in there. There isn't another way to say it. Amen. Are you with me out there? Angela Duckworth, I think, I don't know if she's a Christian, but I think she was right on. Grit is strength of character that refuses to quit. I love what Proverbs 24, verse 10 says. If This is Solomon. Solomon said it this way. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. You don't have grit. That's what Solomon is saying. You don't have any strength of character. When, it, when you bail, when it's hard, anybody can do that, and a lot of people do. <laughs> I'll be done with this shortly, and you won't have to hear it again. Thriving under pressure, for me, when I was thinking of this, I was thinking of Daniel. Now, there's somebody that was under pressure. Captivated, taken captive by Babylon, taken into the Babylonian system. Yes, he was being groomed by them to be one of their there, but they wanted to get him to compromise. They wanted to shift his way of thinking. They wanted to, they even gave him a different name to try to change his identity. They tried to give him different diet to try to change his commitment. And they put pressure on him to, to conform to their way of thinking and living. But he had strength of character. He was a man of character. And when the pressure got on, he thrived. And when they tried to change his diet, he worked his way around that. When they threatened his life over a dream, he said, let me talk to God. And when they tried to get him to stop praying and seeking God, he did it anyway. And he went right into the lion's den. I mean, you talk about person under pressure. You think your life's under pressure. Well, here's the reality. We all, in a way, in the culture around us, are living a Daniel kind of life. And there's pressures all around us. So what do you do? You don't compromise. You don't conform. You stay inconsistent. You be consistent with who you are in Jesus. You be committed to the plan of God and the word of God and the ways of God. And you be confident in the power of God that he's going to come through for you. That's what it means to thrive under pressure. You don't change and adapt yourself to please everything around you or to, you know, just to, well, Daniel could have said, you know what, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this. But over the course of time, he went through all kinds of leadership change. But he never changed. He remained the same who he was, a man of God. Amen. Thrive under pressure. Get tough mentally. And then the final thing I want to share with you guys is trust God's timing. When you want to quit, when you want to give up, you just, you and I, we just got to trust that God, he's got his own stopwatch. I know it's nothing like what you and I have. I mean, you know that God is 
never early, but he's always on time. <laughs> Don't you just hate that cliche? He's never early, but he's always on time. So true. So true, I think. So let's look at Galatians 6, 9 again. And let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season, the NIV says, at the proper time, the NLT says, at just the right time, we will reap. If, everybody say if. That's a big if. Hey, that if, that's a big if. It's a little word, but a big if. You will reap. I'm not going to point at you. It's them. No. We will reap if we don't give up, if we don't quit. By God's design, you know what that verse of Scripture is saying? There is a day of harvest, but you can't quit. Where it concerns God's timing. Let's look at what Psalms 37, verses 5 and 6 says. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. Would you say that with me? And He shall bring it to pass. And He will bring it forth. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Stick with the plan and surrender to the process. Stick with the plan but do surrender to the process because God will bring it to pass. Come on, smile at me out there. Katie, would you come? Um, there was a lady, I think that the year was 1952. There was a lady, a woman swimmer by the name of Florence Chadwick who had, um, she had swam uh, the English Channel twice. She was successful at it. And so she decided one year, I think it was 1952, she decided that she was going to swim from the California coastline to Catalina Island. And that's a 26-mile swim. And so she set out on the swim, and she was going after it. And um, she got about 15 hours into the swim. Imagine that. 15 hours into that swim, swimming against current, swimming out in the ocean, swimming in the cooler, colder, frigid, frigid waters, and about 15 hours into it, <clears throat> the smog began to set in. She was tired, hungry, exhausted. She began to become disoriented. She wasn't always talking in her right mind. And she was saying that she wanted to quit. And those that were in the boat beside her were saying, don't quit, hang on, hang on. You're getting there, you're getting there. And so they tried to encourage her, but eventually she just, she just threw in the towel. She just said, I, I can't. They brought her on board, and she was so disheartened to learn later that she was literally taken out of the water. She got out of the water less than a half a mile from Catalina Island. And so she did what a lot of us do. And I want, this is what I wanted to say to you guys. Your 
further along than you think you are. And you're closer than you can even imagine. If you quit now, what are you going to miss? There's a harvest. There's a due date. There's a just the right time moment. But now's not the time to say, I quit. I can't do it anymore. Now's the time to, as my dad would say to me, son, you got to bear down. Bear down, son. Hang in there. Don't give up. Time to bear down. Amen. Let's all stand together. Can I have the prayer intercessors come and prepare to pray for people who might need prayer for anything here today? But I just want to especially call for anyone here today that would need prayer if you're at a place in your life where you're considering giving up or you've been struggling. Maybe you're not thinking about giving up, but you've been struggling with hanging in there. It's been hard. It's been a long journey. There are wonderful people here that would be willing to pray with you. So I'm going to pray and we can be dismissed. And then if you need prayer, you can, you can even begin to come right now if you would like prayer. Father, thank you for your presence here today. You've been so good to us. And Lord, we are a people that are so prone sometimes, God, to just want to walk away from it all. We don't want the pain anymore. We don't want to deal with the problems. Maybe we've been disappointed with ourselves, and we just don't want to face it anymore. Lord, I pray for anyone and everyone in this room, God, that is just really struggling, especially right now in their life, in whatever way they may be struggling. I pray, God, that they would gird up the loins of their mind, God, that they would gird up the loins of their mind, God, and that they would run with hope. They would run the race with hope, God. Expectation, knowing, God, you're going to come through. Lord, you know how we need you. Have your way in our lives, we pray. Lord, I want to bless your children today. I pray, God, that you would bless them and keep them and make your face to shine upon them and to be gracious to them and give them peace. Jesus' name.